Man, Caves of Coil, all, all the pain lands in the set have such good art. Yeah, the lands are good looking. The, the like of original printing in the set art. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love Caves of Coilos and Carplusion Forest. <sighs> Unfortunately, I own all the enemy ones. Yes, Yavamaya Coast has those cool, twisty Yavamaya trees. I love the saga mechanic. Read ahead, I think it's yeah, fantastic. Read ahead is really cute. Also. <laughs> It's tricky because on every saga up until this point, like the top left corner has been completely irrelevant. Like you just don't read that part of the I card. I know, and now it's an ability. <laughs> yeah. So now the first time you like play these cards and it just skips chapters, you're like, well, wait, what happened? I feel like it could be communicated in some way, but whatever. Yeah. The card does tell you to read it. Yeah, it literally says read right on it. Although it tells you to read ahead, so... You would skip then the description of what read ahead is if you're following instructions. Well, yeah, but you know, maybe you're reading too far ahead and you skip the word ahead and you're just reading. Well, but you wouldn't know to go ahead if you skip ahead. You need to get that instruction for read. Okay, and then I'll read the next word ahead. Oh, okay, then I'll skip all this stuff in parentheses. Yeah, parentheses. Oh, it's a saga. I know how this works. Yeah, of course I know the how this works. The thing you told me to read. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cool mechanic, though. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool talking about cards if you want to. So, when are we going to talk about the lore? Uh, Not on this podcast. You want to guest on something? <laughs> it's, I'm not like... I just like knowing it. I don't like... Yeah, Listen, if it, to care about if it. it comes up, you can mention a thing. I'm not super aware of what the lore is. We're fighting the Fraxians. That's good enough for me. Yeah, Jaya died. Oh, that's sad. It is very sad. Also, the I thought we were just doing a flashback set in the next set, which mm. we are. It's the Brothers War. Yeah. But apparently, Teferi's going back in time. Oh, well, that's cool. That's his thing. So, yeah, so he'll be in. It's actually Karn's thing, but... Well, yeah, but Teferi has all the time stuff. I mean, he mostly, like, changes the speed it's going at, but, you know, I mean, very specifically in the lore, only Karn could time travel Mm. until, like, Sarkin just did it on a whim (laughs) (laughs) in in Fate Reforged. Oh, he just wanted to fuck a dragon so bad that it changed the rules of the universe. Yeah, I I mean, I guess that's how it works. (laughs) Maybe you could ascribe that to Ugin being like super weird and powerful, but then the Teferi thing doesn't make sense then. Oh, did they not like explain it? He's not like using Karn's spark or something like that to, to get him through yeah, time? Karn got kidnapped. Karn so got kidnapped. Oh. They, I think they rigged up like a battery of something that Karn had built to like power up Planeswalkers specifically. Okay. So he could time travel now, something he's never been able to do. Yeah, all right. That's, you know. They got there at least. Yeah, I mean it's it's roughly kind of timey, whitey. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Just in time for the Doctor Who set, or Doctor Who Commander set, or whatever it is. We did get that announcement of the upcoming sets, right? So we have Phyrexia, All Will Be One, March of the Machines, Wilds of Eldraine, The Lost Caverns whoa, of Ixalan. Whoa, 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 whoa! You missed my favorite set name. Oh, which was March that? of the Machines colon the aftermath yeah okay so every (laughs) one of these sets is both like has has a a a subtitle and is like a movie and is in a superhero movie font and i'm kind of 
not here for that. <coughs> I like they look so like the the fonts that they've used for this like it really it looks like a marvel phase four release schedule like you wouldn't if you just glanced at it you wouldn't know that it wasn't that yeah i mean yeah that's like i think pretty clearly what they're going for yeah oh how do you feel about going back to eldraine and ixalan uh i mean eldraine i'm totally down to go back to i i love the aesthetic and everything you know we just they they overshot when doing fire like that's the only like real flaw of of eldraine is that several of the cards were way too powerful but the mechanics were cool adventure was cool unfortunately it was the best deck in standard for two years because the cards were just a little too good so like i think eldraine is really cool i'm totally down to go back to eldraine ixalan i think that conceptually like there was a good idea there that they just like messed up pretty bad and neither like the art nor the storytelling nor the cards like nothing came evocative out of the idea of like vampire conquistadors and mesoamerican there would there is cool stuff that to be had there and they just like fell flat on it and i don't know that like retreading it is gonna rebuild is gonna build anything off of that I mean, I think Ixlan had some really terrible problems, like, ingrained yeah. in the set. And I didn't think there were, like, any redeeming factors of Ixlan, but someone reminded me of one on Twitter when I was complaining about how I don't like mm-hmm. Ixlan, uh, which was that the search for his Kanta flip treasure land, or yeah. map lands. Those are real. I ever actually really liked anything that transforms into a land. Those were all really cool. Getting blown out by, like, Legion's landing flipping on turn three was really rough sometimes but i mean yeah but that card is also cool and good like the if those lands didn't exist the entire two sets of ixalan would have been complete washes for me and i do love treasure map that's one of my favorite cards ever so yeah treasure map search Canta. i even like the bad ones like uh growing rights i had a bunch of those before i sold them because they got up in price thanks to edh that was like the one good thing to come out of that set but the setting is not compelling. There's just nothing drawing me to Ixalan. And then memories of like that bad limited format and the bad, like just lack of contribution to Constructed just kind of haunt it. So it's kind of surprising that we are going back to it. Somebody must have like a, a real thing for it. Like really the only thing Ixalan introduced was treasure tokens and they've just gone wild with that now. So like, what are we even doing? We don't here? need Ixalan for treasure tokens. Right. Apparently, Capenna is just made of treasure. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, like, gold streets or whatever, like, actual gold streets yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's Eldorado. Yes. <laughs> Way more than the Eldorado set. Yeah, not excited for Ixalan and the, like, weird superhero font aesthetic that they slapped onto this thing is, is just very bizarre to me. And I'm, I'm so, side note on the, the font thing. I'm glad that they're at least doing something about the fonts because mm-hmm. for a while they're all, all the same had the exact same. Font. Yeah, that's not great either. Obviously, just a different color. I don't know. I just I, I wish they'd pick a vibe for magic. And, you know, they just like have not been doing that. It's nice that we're going back to Dominaria. I'm enjoying the Dominaria vibes, but I don't know. I'm pretty burnt out on superheroes at this point. So it. it like once again magic is like 10 years too late to a party 
like when they announced an MMO that obviously never actually happened. It was like five years after the last player had logged off of the last MMO. Yeah, Wizards is always kind of like the looking for their next like source of income, mm -hmm. but not realizing that they could just like kind of until secret layers just do they doing just more. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good for cards. Yeah. If you wanted to do cards. Let's do cards. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 257 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. What's up? Uh, you want to talk about some cards? I do. You know, we I, we got a feedback last week. One of our listeners said they were wondering when the entire episode was just going to be one cold open. I mean, we'll do not that one today. of these days, but yeah, we're not going to do that during spoiler season. Yeah, there's, there's cards now. Yeah. Honestly, I said I've been... Well, I've been looking forward to the Brothers War way more, but... After I started seeing this wave of previews trickle in after the reveal stream, which was kind of lackluster, I've, I've been kind of excited for this one. <laughs> yeah, there's cool stuff, and I'm definitely excited for the limited format. I really liked Dominaria Limited. That, that's what hooks me the most, I think. Sure. Like, the the a bunch of kickers of different colors. I was just going to say that. Off-color kicker is, like, my favorite thing in the world. And the rare cycle is so cool-looking. There's a cycle of rares with uh, enemy colored kickers that do stuff based on how many times you kick them. It's it's super neat. I like those cards a lot. And you don't have to keep track of like which kicker you did. It's just if you kicked it once, it does. Yeah, they're, they're cool designs. It's like once again, finding more space in the kicker design area. Like, like a crazy how kicker just keeps giving. Yes, I am really pumped for this set. I definitely am going to be drafting it a lot as long as the you know, it keeps like any of the promises it's making, which I just am going to go ahead and assume that it will because I want to be optimistic about it. Yeah, I, I typically like formats like the other Dominaria mm -hmm. and what I think this Dominaria will end up being like more of a medium pace game of magic where you can both have opportunity to go fast and do grindy stuff. Yeah, hard to know until you actually like open some packs and Jam some yeah, and there could just be like a random uncommon that ruins it for everyone, but I mean, I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, it's it's been a little while. It's been since Ikoria that that really happened, but good old Zenith player. Yeah, just wow, what a card. But yeah, we can just we can just talk about some constructed application cards. I think we can start with the like slightly boring thing at the start, but not boring at all actually really exciting in implications of the, the classic layup yeah the classic layup of the reprints that got announced we'll start with the pain lands three enemy colored three ally colored so really we care about the three ally color ones that were announced because those are going straight into pioneer so that's adarkar waste sulfur springs carplusion forest and so that is a big boon to red green aggressive decks probably in some way to black red i don't know how much the black red midrange deck really needs a, a pain land to help no, us i don't out. think current black red midrange but like maybe black red sacrifice can adapt something yeah like yeah and then blue white opens up all of my dreams of like blue white prowess slash heroic 
you know, there's something there. There's the ability to construct a mana base that isn't just going to automatically crash and burn once every couple of matches. So that's exciting. Yeah, we're uh, assuming the other four, the other two really, will be in the Brothers War. Yeah. Uh, what, Underground River and Brushland? Uh, Underground River is kind of whatever, right? Like no one really cares, needs the blue black land to, to be a pain land. But Brushland's pretty cool. Yeah, Brushland is pretty cool. That casts your elves and green white decks have had trouble doing that so that is very exciting that won't be for a little while but it will be legal for the regional championship so gotta look at green white decks for that i think assuming they're you know gonna cash this check that they promised us with six pain lands in the set yeah, of varying yeah. i mean the last <laughs> yeah. time they've done stuff like i mean i guess it's just shock lands that they've done this i guess yeah that's true yeah there were six ends in the car and four in call time yeah yeah which was kind of weird because half of the like more than half of the painland art was Zendikarish and the other four were from Kaltheim. Right. It was kind of jarring. But we live with it. It's fine. Yeah. And you can it's get fine. different versions of pathways from like secret layers and whatever if you really want to. So Yeah, the secret layer pathways are actually just the Kaltheim ones set in Zendikar and vice versa. Yeah. So <laughs> So you can mix if, and match if it really if bothers foil you. only secret layers oh they don't have non-foil ones of those no of course not oh that's atrocious they did it they did it for the fetch lands right but not for the pathways that's really weird to me i was very happy yeah. i got the magali artist series and was able to get a non-foil versions of that and that made me really happy because i now have playable versions of those cards including two different forests which is actually they're really really beautiful forests so i hope to cast some lenoir elves off of those at some point you got a death rate shaman and a uh yeah go rummage around for it got them right here mother of runes Ooh. Ooh, he's showing me on the camera for all you audio people death shadow <laughs> oh it's death shadow that's what it was it wasn't death rate shaman elvish mystic which is good because only i only have boring elvish mystics i don't know if there were any neat ones before this right so. you've got you've got your your lanor elves that are special yeah but you don't have currently any special a place that a special elvish mystic exactly and then ooh, fancy forests ooh. Ooh. i didn't realize there were two in that set well they're kind of there's like they're kind of similar art it's like the same spot but one's like a spring version of it or one's like kind of a more color version of it and one's a like desaturated version of it or something they're neat i'm a fan but yeah pain lands very exciting also, like a secondary benefit, or not even secondary, I, what, do you, what is even lower than tertiary, but whatever that is, is that maybe at some point somebody will cast a Thought Not Seer off of some of these pain lands <laughs> in Pioneer. Like, yeah, we had the enemy colored ones, but maybe like a red green Eldrazi deck exists at some point or something like that. Gotta reprint Ancient Stirrings first. Uh, yes. Also, the Eldrazi, you know, when. When they were seeing play in standard, I remember thinking every time I cast a, a every time I played a Thought Not Seer deck, it was always like, wow, these feel really, really clunky without Eldrazi Temple in your deck. Like, I don't really understand how to be casting these spells and how to make my curve accept these creatures. I think the only time I ever played with Thought Not Seer that wasn't an Eldrazi Temple deck was with uh, a God Pharaoh's Gift deck when it when Ashrod was legal. Mm-hmm. And you just like played a couple of thought not seers because it's, it's fine. a fine card, and you yeah, had you desert could cast or whatever. Rivulets and whatever. Yeah, 
right? And they were like exactly as medium as you'd expect them to be. Yeah. But mostly the pain lands are going to do kind of medium mana fixing for allied color decks that didn't have access to that. So hooray. And also renders a lot of moments of our last week's episode slightly irrelevant because the number of times we said, well, maybe if we get some allied color lands. We'll see that. I think that the more important allied color lands are actually the fast lands, not necessarily the pain oh, lands. Oh, definitely. I mean, those would be better, but... Pain lands are just like a stopgap to me to finally getting the stupid allied fast lands in the format. Right, but it's the difference between a deck that like your mana base is like annoying and a deck that you just can't build because you only have eight playable dual lands in those colors. So yeah, looking at you, red green. <laughs> yes. I mean, like red green is going to be a huge beneficiary of that. A girl deck that yeah. can now cast land of our elves reliably and pelt collector or whatever is, is really the good. early games of pioneer the, the early days when I saw people just putting game trails in their deck, like unironically. Well, I, oof. what are you like? What are you supposed to do? You're like, you're looking at it and you're like, I have to cast these elves. Is there any way to do it? It just turns out there's not, they didn't even have pathways back then. Like one of my favorite plays was the once upon a time opponent gets forest plays game trail and reveals the forest. The forest. <laughs> it's like so powerful. Uh, all right, on to spells, though. Yeah, spells. Uh, so another reprint we've got. So they, they did this big tease with a Liliana Planeswalker, and they, like, did multiple tweets over multiple days in such a way that if it were literally any other Liliana other than Liliana of the Veil, because they said it was a reprint, but if it were li any of the other Lilianas that they teased it possibly being, it would have been, like, the biggest letdown in the world. So then, of course, it was Liliana of the Veil. So welcome to Pioneer and also standard Liliana of the Veil. It's been it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, the art they teased did have the chain veil, and it's, like, in some reflection. Yes. Which is a nice little way of, uh, oh, yeah, this, this thing's supposed to be destroyed, but here it is in the art because it's... The past. Ooh. Mm. Well, I mean, we got some time travel stuff going on. Who knows? Liliana also lives haunted by her regrets, so the past is alive in Liliana. Yeah, there's that whole thing. But this card has sparked a lot of discussion <laughs> between playability and standard and pioneer. Particularly pioneer. I I do want to start with a slightly different discussion, which is okay. simply that uh we no longer have to use Steve Argyle art to play Liliana's of the Veil anymore. I mean, yeah, now you have like, what, 30 different versions of Liliana? Because there's going to be at least two showcase versions of this art, of this card in the set. Yeah, there and there was literally only the original art before. So this is a very exciting change for that reason alone. But yeah, lots of discussion about whether or not it's going to be good. I am sympathetic to, like, I totally get the argument, like, magic is a different thing. Like, people don't run out of resources. Resource denial strategies are way weaker now because every card draws more cards, etc., etc. Liliana is still pretty good at three mana, though. Yeah, I mean, in, in standard before, I wouldn't call it a knockout card because the best card in that standard, in that, in that set even, mm -hmm. was Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. Which is so much better than Liliana of the Veil. But even then, Liliana's play a lot because it's just like three mana planeswalker that kills a guy and sticks around is not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's also lots of ways, more ways now, I would say, uh, than in the past to abuse. Like, I know I have discard outlets in my deck. I have ways to use my graveyard. And yeah, your opponent may have access to similar 
things like that. The new Squee is very good against the Leon of the Veil, and like probably better against it than in a deck where you're using it. But like this is just an edict that sticks around and then does more stuff, and like there will be spots for it, and it probably will see play in Black Red and Pioneer, and it's just a pretty good card. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be revolutionary or anything to Pioneer. I think it's just like a card you can be aware of. Maybe Black, I think Black Red will probably play it because there's some cards that are kind of clunkers in that deck, and it'll be nice. Like in those slow games, Liliana actually does threaten the ultimate quite a bit, and it's really annoying. Yeah, especially in lower powered environments. I played a lot with this card in standard and in block when it was first around. Yeah, and I can imagine the same thing happening in Pioneer, even if you only play a couple copies. Yeah, for sure. I just I'm actually like kind of excited to play with this card again, and I'm excited to play games where like players run out of resources because a Liliana is like sucking all of the resources away. That sounds kind of fun. I, I will say that I will hope this uh <laughs> I hope this becomes popular so that people can just like jam no high Feroxes in their uh, monocreen <laughs> decks or what have you. <laughs> just like, oh right. Lockstone Smiter was a thing last time, but now there's just a six six X proof. <laughs> yep. Huh. How about that? And we are getting Brushland eventually to cast Loxodon Smiter in the future. So, you know. No, we're, we're done with Loxodon Smiter. We're probably that's, done with Loxodon Smiter. That's a bygone era. You can bring your uh, Orvar the All Forms out to play. I don't know what that card is. That's from Kaldheim, right? When you're forced to discard it, you make a token of a permanent in play. Oh, okay. Sure. So you can get your yeah. own Liliana or you can just go up a land or whatever. It's it's rough days when you Liliana and your opponent discards an Orvar the All Form. You're probably going to lose that game. Or crush it because your opponent's playing, yeah, Orvar the All Form. Well, but they brought it in against your Liliana. Oh, oh. They weren't just like rolling up with no, it. No, I don't believe that's the plan. Anyway, Liliana's kind of a known quantity. There's a. A lot more spoilers. How do you, yeah. Like, how do you want to tackle it? Any order? I do want to talk about Runvelt Hordemaster. This is the Goblin Lord. Yeah. So this is one in a red for a 1-1 one, one Goblin Warrior. Other goblins you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever it or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card of your library. If it's a goblin creature card, you may cast that card until the end of your next turn. Yeah, end of your next turn. Yeah. So. So if it dies on your turn, like when you're attacking... Then you have a whole t extra turn cycle. To, yeah, it's it's a light up the stage kind of variant. Yeah, I, I think this card's really really good. I agree. It's just got that the the price point. You know, the goblins decks have like a lot of lords at three mana. So just having a lord at two mana is like oh, okay. I'll think about this thing, and then it protects you from removal in. You know, it, it only gives you like half a card. If your deck is half goblins, which is a lot of goblins, it's still only giving you like half a card whenever a goblin dies, but it does like protect you from removal. And then things get really crazy when you start doing like the high synergy sacrifice goblin decks. Like if you have a, a Skirk Prospector and this thing in play and you cast a Mogwar Marshal, then you go up a mana and you get to look at the top three cards of your library and cast any goblins from those. Like, there's just a lot of, like, potential power hidden away in this card, which is also just a two-mana lord. Yeah, I mean, also, it's no secret that lords are really good in multiples, mm -hmm. but this card kind of takes that to an absurd level <laughs> where... Each one will just start exiling so many cards when your your board dies. Yeah, you just that's get to true. Replace them all. Yeah, so it's not even like overcommitting. Once you put your second lord into play, you have like two lords and two other goblins. They wrath you, and then you get to cast all the goblins from your top eight cards. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like pretty excited for this card. I think maybe you could do stuff with it. And that we know the next sets are all in Dominaria and Phyrexia. Those are all goblin planes. Yeah. Unlike sets of the past where it's been like, okay, here's a squid, a cephalid lord or something. There's just no <laughs> cephalids in any set prior or future. No, yeah, we should have plenty of goblins to work with. And I think this will be a key contributor to any goblin strategies, definitely in standard. And then yeah, it works really well with Squee as well. Uh, can I, I, can, I can read Squee too. Yeah, go for it. With your thought, I interrupted you. No, no, go for it. <laughs> yeah, so Squee Dubious Monarch is our what third Squee card? Uh, two and a red for a two-two legendary goblin noble with haste. Uh, whenever he attacks, you create a one-one red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. And you can cast Squee from your graveyard by paying three in a red and exiling four other cards from your graveyard rather than paying its mana cost. So it's basically got escape four and four mana. And it's kind of Rabble Mastery. Yeah, I don't think you use this generally at any slot where you'd be putting an actual Rabble Master. But yeah. like this isn't a sideboard plan the way that a Rabble Master is. This isn't like following up a Blood Moon and you're like legacy stompy deck or whatever <laughs> but i think that it's like very good if your opponent is playing a resource denial sort of thing it is not i, I don't think it like if you could play croxa you're doing croxa instead of this but if yeah, you can't play croxa then this is doing other stuff and it's also got good types it and the token have goblin as a type it can die and that's fine it'll come back at some point so if you're doing things with like Runvelt, Horde Master, Skirk Prospector, whatever, like this could be something there. In in older formats like Pioneer, uh, if you're trying to do goblin tribal stuff, mm -hmm. goblins are really good at using up bodies and needing bodies on the board. Mm -hmm. And Squeak kind of does both of those at the same time. Like he, he can produce bodies and he generates them out of nothing. Yeah. With you know, your cards in graveyard. Yeah. So I, I like it more as a Goblin Synergy card than than yeah. in most places. Uh, but it, it also, you know, can do some... Like, if your opponent casts a Liliana and Sander makes you discard a card, and you discard a Squee, and then Liliana is just like, oh, well, I guess I'm either fueling that Squee or, like, not making you discard cards from here. Like, that's a decent spot to put an opponent into, so... Yeah, Squee also, two bodies can pretty apt at taking down Planeswalkers. Yeah, I'm into Squee. I like that card. Yeah, and I, don't, I think he's like a little underpowered for just a generically good card, but he's he's got some cool stuff going on for him. Yeah, you have to have reasons to play the card. You're not just like playing red and it's like, oh, yeah, I get to put Squee in my deck. It's OK, I need Squee for these purposes in the format or this purpose for my goblin deck. I want to talk about Haughty Jin. So this is one blue blue for an X4. Its power is equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less. So this is Enigma Drake in one color with a, you know, cost reduction ability tacked onto it. And cost reduction ability tacked onto a three drop is a little bit weird, but I think there's potentially, like, Enigma Drake was not far off, and I actually have played it in standard at one point or another, but the... The fact that you can like play this and very easily hold up negates and stuff like that is like this card is calling to me a little bit. It's to me and mostly is just Enigma Drake. Like it, it's not. It is better than Enigma Drake most of the time. 
but not that much. It's not that much better. That, that's definitely true. And you can't put like a bunch of divinations or whatever in your deck expecting their costs to get reduced because you only have so many of these and your opponent's prioritizing killing them anyways because it will kill them if they don't. But I, I will say, like the times people played Goblin Electromancer in standard, mm-hmm. uh, alongside like Archive Phoenix and stuff, yeah, the Electromancers are always like very high variance. Right. Uh, this card is does not have that problem, and the the cost reduction effect, if you're in that kind of archetype and it's like reasonable, mm-hmm. it, it is actually really good. Yeah. Which is why people trick themselves into playing Goblin Electromancer. Yeah, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, this is significantly harder to remove. You need some, like, higher-end removal to take it out. So if if there's a deck that just, like, wants to be casting a bunch of cantrips, this could be a, a key component of it at, in, in standard. I'm not trying to cast this in any higher power level format, certainly. Yeah, Haughty Chin. Is that, like, its real name? Because this is a It might be card. a translated, just, like, placeholder name. Sure. Okay. They've also, you know, done a great job of making us get a rare in order to fill the enigma drake slot in our deck so another I mean, rare is another oh, home run arena i guess it's not trivial but right ah c'est la vie <laughs> all right you've got cult conscript next on your list which i will read out so you can tell me about it <laughs> uh, it's a uh, black for a two one skeleton warrior that enters the battlefield tapped uh, you can pay one in a black to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield, but you can only activate that if a non-skeleton creature died under your control this turn. Yes. <laughs> so an anti-synergy card for the skeleton tribal deck. Yeah, you can't play it with gutter bones. That's not not going to work out. This could fit in several different places. If there's like a black deck that needs a one drop for doing whatever, this is a pretty interesting version of the 2-1 that comes back because... Once its condition is satisfied, you can bring it back multiple times in a turn for sacrifice abilities or whatnot. I mean, that, that I guess that's the main interesting thing, and that, that may be mana It's, it's not capped. You can bring it back on your opponent's turn and your turn as well, right? Yes. It just needs to be your own creature that died. But yeah. yeah. Your non-skeletons. Your non-skeletons. Uh, cauldron Familiar, not a skeleton, very important. Yeah, it's just a cat, right? Yes. So... I think there's places for this. It's at the right mana cost for a synergy card to slot into sacrifice decks. It like can make it really easy to keep fueling something like a Priest of Fell Rites if that's a deck that can exist in Pioneer or if there's any sort of sacrifice stuff in Standard. I think this is a good version of the one drop where, you know, sometimes we would like put gutter bones or whatever into the deck, but that was never great. And I think this is a better version of that. I don't think this card's like incredible or anything, but I think it works better than most of these skeletons have in the past. Does this supplant like unlucky witness in the sacrifice decks, or are you trying to play this as like a one of kind of deal in those sort of decks? I I think it depends on what you're trying to do. I don't think it supplants unlucky witness in the sacrifice deck if your goal is like dig through my deck for as many ovens as possible, the way those sacrifice decks are built now. If yeah. it becomes possible to build a more grindy sacrifice deck, then I think this is a type of card that can be helpful. But definitely not going to replace a card that digs with a card that like costs mana to do its thing if my deck is yeah. trying to do that. I I get you. I, I just think it's, at least as Pioneer currently stands, hard to be more aggressively skewed mm-hmm. in the sacrifice deck because you're trying to compete 
on such a small axis against yeah. Treasure Cruise, Nykthos, and even Red Black Midrange. Yeah, for sure. But I think this thing is just kind of like cheap enough that it'll find a spot somewhere. Maybe just in standard, but you know, yeah. if there's Maybe a you bring back just mono black and pioneer. Yeah, I mean, well, and and one of the other cards we've got right here is Evolve Sleeper. Like, there's two I I think pretty playable one drops in black in this set, and that's enough to make a deck like start to assemble around around them. So, I, I'm not sure exactly what that means for a, like a standard black deck. But you rarely have two playable black one drops in a standard format, so yeah, that that's fair. Um, as a refresher, we did read of all sleeper last time, but this is just a black man at one one human. Uh, it's got like the kind of figure of destiny level up deal, so you can pay a black mana to make it a two two human cleric. Then you can pay two mana, a one and a black, to make it. If it's a cleric, you put a death touch counter on it, and now it's a Phyrexian. That's the three three now. And then once it's a Phyrexian, you can pay a one and two black to put a plus minus one counter on it, draw a card, and lose life. And notably, none of human cleric or Phyrexian are skeleton. So can always <laughs> True. get back your cult conscript when this thing dies. Yeah, and the real the real draw to Evolve Sleeper is you can use that last ability any number of times. There's no cap to it. So once you kind of cap out at your your usefulness of a black one drop you can just start sinking mana into draw cards kind of like a uh, castle lock flame yeah i mean i think the real draw is like this is a creature that you're fine to have in your opening hand and fine to draw later on and that's a rare combination that feels pretty good when you can fill slots with that yep does cost quite a bit of mana to get used out of it if you draw it later in the game but it, it does but it's, but that, that's part of the like other it's one your drops one drop that, right, right exactly yeah. <laughs> the other one drops are two ones or whatever so th this has a lot going for <laughs> two it. ones that enter the battlefield tap sometimes mm, yes who would ever consider <laughs> playing one of those <laughs> but enough about black cards yeah planeswalkers <laughs> probably enough about black cards we can do some planeswalkers uh i just read the last wordy card so this is your turn all right uh this is jaya fiery negotiator i think this was spoiled a while ago but uh, we haven't really been talking about spoilers. so it's, it's like one of the first spoiled cards. Yeah. Two red red, four loyalty. It's got four abilities, which is usually a harbinger of pretty good things. Plus one, create a 1-1 one, one red monk creature token with prowess. Minus one, exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. Minus two, choose target creature and opponent controls. Whenever you attack this turn, Jaya deals damage equal to the number of attacking creatures to that creature. Minus eight, you get an emblem with. Whenever you cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy it twice. You may choose new targets for the copies. So as far as four mana red planeswalkers go, I think this does contribute as a way to grind games. I'm not sure that I want to main deck this in most decks that I'm thinking about. But I think this is just a standard card. Yeah. Like, I really like this card. I think it's a really cool design, mm -hmm. but it does not compete in older formats with, with Chandra. You know, yeah. Like with Chandra, basically. Yeah. And other, even other planeswalkers in different colors. Because this is a red planeswalker that doesn't deal any damage to your opponent right. directly. Like it, it makes monks with prowess, which is nice. Uh, then one of her minus, her minus two is a removal spell, but only if you're attacking. And. Then her ultimate, which we don't even really have to consider because it's minus eight and this card takes forever to uptick. Yeah, but, and you're going to be minusing it at some point along the way because that 
that minus to look for to look at two cards and cast one of them is actually pretty powerful. Like, it's- uh, yeah, essentially, I th- I view Jaya as a two ability planeswalker primarily. Mm-hmm. The the make a monk for plus, which is really good. Making a creature on a plus, is especially strong. on a red planeswalker, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and then the minus one just you know look at the top two, cast one of them. That's very strong as well. So yeah. you're just going to be like doing whichever the, one of those two modes does the most for you at the time, and I think that's perfectly reasonable but likely doesn't compete with basically what Chandra Torch Defiance has to offer in Pioneer. Yep. But in standard, I think Jaya could be quite good. Yep. I I agree. I think that just really, really depends on the cards around it and what decks come together, what you can be doing with Jaya. But, you know, if there is an aggressive red deck that has a reasonable number of spells, then this could just be a really powerful like here's my turn four i'm gonna make a monk this goes up to five loyalty it's probably gonna make another monk at least and then those are real creature threats so that that could be pretty brutal and that's like kind of a because she pluses to make a creature and you can block with those Mm -hmm. like it kind of incentivizes you to take up to her ultimate but her ultimate doesn't do that much it just gives you an emblem that copies it's not not quite a chandra's Charge of Defiance emblem, which just says like, if this game lasts another turn or two, you you you'll yeah, beat anything. Your opponent's dead. <laughs> so it's a little underwhelming, but I guess it makes sense given how you know planeswalkers nowadays are not nearly as powerful as they were. Chandra Torch Defiance is running around. Yeah. So eh, that that's fine. Yeah. No, I think this one will do some some decent work in standard. Uh, your this this next card's in Japanese. I can't actually read it. All right, so this card <laughs> is, uh, it's a query on something. I don't remember what it is, but it is a query on beast color is the, the fan translation. That's that's very possible. Fanlation. It's one in a green for a two two. Whenever you cast a creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and when it dies, you distribute its plus one plus one counters among your creatures. So grizzly bear, and with upside. Yes. I mean, I think that's a fair amount of upside. I think this is like a... V- oh, it's a, it's a good upside. I'm, I'm trying to figure out... Like, I, I really like Arden Scales as a card. <laughs> so when I see something like this, I kind of want to Arden Scales it. Well, I think this is pretty bonkers in a plus one, plus one counters deck. The fact that, like, it's a really good version of, like, modular for itself. You just get to put your plus one plus one counters wherever you want among your creatures. So if that means mm-hmm. spreading them out so that more of them get doubled by hardened scales, or if it means putting all of them on a, I mean, rest in peace, walking ballista, but I guess a hanger back walker. Uh, I don't know how many triggers you're likely to get in a game, but this is like a really threatening two drop. And even outside of a hardened scales deck in like a standard mono green deck this is a very threatening to drop if you're just like gonna be casting creatures for most of the game this is something that they're like yeah i gotta kill that yeah it's it, it starts out as a grizzly but basically by the time you're attacking with it it's almost always a three three yeah two mana three three that does something when it dies is really good now it has the opposite problem of evolve sleeper in that like yes you love it in your opening hand but it is a potentially terrible top deck it does like nothing when you have an empty hand and you draw it off the top of your library yeah that's that's kind of why i'm more up, up, up about uh more hardened scales synergies mm-hmm. I, I think we're lacking a payoff ever since walking blister was unjustly banned yeah but but you like combine the, this thing with the ozolith so then when you top deck it you get to put a bunch of plus yeah. and plus one counters on it like that sort of thing makes it way more exciting 
Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Maybe. I, I mean, there's several sets upcoming and I, they always like to do this thing where they drop a couple of Preview plus one, plus one counter cards yeah. in like all of the sets, like like Conclave Mentor and stuff like that. Mm. So we'll, we'll see how the drip feed works this time. <laughs> yeah. Pioneer just keeps getting more and more. What I mean, the thing that Pioneer needs for their to be a plus one, plus one counter deck is for Walking Ballista to is be unbanned. Like, I mean, it doesn't even have to. Yeah, walk, that would be ideal because Walking Ballista is... It's bonkers. the best one, yeah. But if they print anything that lets you use plus one counters without paying mana, mm-hmm. that would be ideal. Yeah. Like an Ion Storm but with no mana cost. Sure. Just something. Something that lets you convert them into a different resource rather than just power and toughness into play. Like, that's what... When Modern Hardened Scales was good, like, one of the big things from it was sometimes you would just, like, throw your counters onto stuff, attack with it, throw everything away in combat. They all... A bunch of counters end up on a walking ballista, and then they just die to that. And without having a way to convert your counters into anything more than just plus one plus one counters then and i want it to be something proactive i don't want to be life (laughs) that's not quite it (laughs) i I want to kill my opponent with the resources i've accrued not without necessarily attacking and this brings us back around to why walking in this essay i will explain why walking ballista is such an important part of a plus one plus one counter deck that's just our next uh episode yeah podcast and why (laughs) a a modest proposal to unban Walking Ballista. <laughs> a modest proposal? Okay. <laughs> Just ban Heliod, unban Walking Ballista. It's a it's a fun card. Nobody's playing Heliod in Pioneer. And also put Walking Ballista on Magic Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good lord. Like, even if it's banned in Pioneer still, it should still be on the client. It should, it should be on the client. <sighs> just unbelievable yeah anyway we can't keep talking about walking blister forever or we shouldn't no we shouldn't uh karn living long speaker is that what you want to do i don't know i just Thomas like toss list. that up there it's just a mana dork we don't really need to talk about it that much it, it is just a mana dork all right moving on we can, we can do karn i'll read karn sure uh so karn living legacy a good old four mana colorless karn planeswalker for four loyalty uh, it's got a plus one, create a power stone token tapped. A power stone token <laughs> is an artifact with tapped out of colorless. Uh, you can't use that mana to cast a non-artifact spell. You can use it for literally anything else. So my question is, how many power stone creating cards are we getting that this needs to be like in the rules mechanics the same way as treasure and food? And I, I think there is a handful. <laughs> okay. Because I know there's an artifact that makes one. Just. But. Like. I know there's a card in this at the manor, like called Manorig, because it was in one of the story articles. Mm. And I'm assuming that makes power stones because it's. That's what a Manorig is. That's the only thing it does. Yeah. (laughs) So it just seems really weird to me because whatever kind of game you're involved in, sacrificing a clue to draw a card. Okay, great. I, I love drawing cards. Sacrificing food to gain three life. Sometimes you need to gain life. Sacrificing a blood to loot. Great. Uh, but an artifact that taps for a mana that can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell is a very specific artifact token. We'll see. This is a 
it's a power stone, so it powers. It things. powers artifacts. It doesn't cast yeah. spells. It can only cast artifacts. Yes, yes, yes. Or anything. I get else. the flavor <laughs> implications. I'm just like a little bit unconvinced by the necessity of having this be a type of token that's just like built into the rules. What's weird to me is that in the last dominary is that we had worn power stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe that's just a card in a previous set. That's an ancient. That's from like Stronghold. Yeah. Okay. There's been multiple power stones in Magic that all tap for mana. Sure. But they don't have the condition. No, you can cast spells with your worn power power stone. Yeah. So really, just to make a power stone more powerful, you need to like wear it down. Mm. Yeah. I mean, flavor is not always going to be perfect o- o- over the course of like twenty years. Oh wow, Skyfall is down. Yes, Greyfall is down. I just got a Discord notification <laughs> that they're having server problems. Well, mythic so, spoiler. You know, we it can't is. look up any other cards. Yeah, expect the quality from, of discussion to drop precipitously. Yeah, from here on out, I just don't know the names of any cards now. <laughs> uh, relevantly, the Power Stones can pay for abilities. Yeah. So activated abilities or things that prompt you to pay mana, like Mana Leak, you can play with that with Power Stones card has more abilities on it it just doesn't make power stones <laughs> uh, his minus one uh, is pay any amount of mana so it's a minus one and you have to pay mana look at that many cards for the top of your library put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in a random order and then his minus seven is you get an emblem with tap and untapped artifact you control this emblem deals one damage to any target so if this sees play, it's because it's in a color combination that doesn't have any better options for a like four mana weird card advantage engine, and this card is colorless and can be a weird card advantage engine. No, this card sucks. Yeah, it's not. This card's just not good. Like I, I don't love comparing new cards that do different stuff to like very easy comparisons like Karn's Ion Versa mm-hmm. because it's just like kind of night and day they just do different stuff but look at any karn yeah. <laughs> and compare it I to know. this one I know. it just doesn't do anything no well like, even if you so goal the, the is joke cast... is you create the power stone token and then that like funds your minuses but these are also minuses to just like draw a card they're, they're minuses that make you pay mana to draw cards that's what casting cards can do you're, you're paying that mana with your with your power stone no i get it i get the Those synergy are, you know it's just not good no it's not great like they did karn really dirty in this card which you know maybe appropriate because his last three cards were bangers yeah that's true this is like the first bad karn the, oh, yeah. the first bad planeswalker karn i mean even karn silver gold was like beloved yeah everybody loves that card it does neat things he's a pacifist yeah, he turns into an 08, right? Yeah, yeah. when he blocks or cute. becomes blocked. <laughs> he can still hit you for four if there's an empty board for some reason. Yeah, but... he can hit a player or a planeswalker, but not a creature. Yeah, yeah, planeswalkers and players, not worth being pacifists over. Yeah, I'm also not into this card. It's, it's not exciting. It, it just doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, uh, you can't even reasonably construct some sort of concoction where a different four mana card that creates a permanent every turn Mm -hmm. wouldn't be better like i don't there's other cards that create artifacts every turn that are better if that's what you want to (laughs) do and the the cap not being able to 
use power stones to cast spells essentially yeah unless you're playing a lot of artifacts in your a lot of expensive artifacts are usually just not very good yeah like you and you really have to be playing expensive artifacts to justify the power stones and even then like are you gonna play a bunch of expensive artifacts in our deck to like put power stones into play and then cast them that's that that doesn't sound like something i wanted to a bunch of artifacts with expensive activation costs can pay equip costs with your power stone tokens i'm not against power stone tokens mm-hmm. but i am against my four mana planeswalker primarily being the source of them yeah it, it's not ideal i i something weird would have to happen for me to get into this card if this made two power stones and a plus one we could ha- have a different oh, conversation anytime you're making two artifacts though like come on right but this one is uh, no I, this one's not it sure why does it uh, <laughs> why does it start for little like what is that <laughs> well to be fair every other karn has started at just like 10 billion loyalty so we're just evening the scales out a little bit yeah but this is by far the most useless one yeah well this could start at like six loyalty pretty comfortably and i'm not sure it would be that good <laughs> <laughs> i've got a much simpler card here We've got Rona's Vortex. This is a blue for an instant. Return target creature or planeswalker you don't control to its owner's hand. If the spell was kicked, put that permanent on the bottom of its owner's library instead. We just came off of a season where we were like main decking a million fading hopes. And man, if you can pay the black kicker, this is a fading hope that you are not mad to draw later on in the game. And that's kind of neat if you need fading hopes. Also targets planeswalker, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah, I mean, and it's just four mana instant kill a planeswalker at you know by the time planeswalkers start coming into play. Yeah, I mean that's not a fantastic rate, but the split card aspect of it right. is incredible. Yes, you have to want the unsummon to some extent, and you have to be blue black. But once you've fulfilled those conditions, like this is a really neat card. And one thing you can't do uh, is pay for kicker when you're casting the spell with power stones. Uh, yes, no, that is part of the cost of the spell. <laughs> so, really knocking it out of the park with Power Stones. <laughs> I don't, this was not supposed to be, a, like, I'm sorry, anything I'm related to the card conversation. <laughs> I, I do think Rolls Vortex is pretty cool, though. I'm into it. it. Like, it, it, Fading Hope was a good card that people played a bunch of. And Rolls Vortex, if it's something people will continue to do, is just not necessarily a strict upgrade but it it's got the chops yeah being able to just bounce planeswalkers if even if you don't have black mana is still going to be relevant you cannot protect your leer with this which is you know a pretty you can't protect your leer or your gold span dragon with it and i think that's a pretty intentional part of the design here so that definitely goes into the equation also the fading hope effect is more exciting when you're like blue red than when you are blue black because you can actually put kill spells in your deck once you have black mana and so some stuff with four toughness or whatever is not as difficult to deal with but the flexibility here is just really nice and i i want to play with this card some uh, i've got one yeah i've uh, got anointed peacekeeper this is a placeholder name it's in japanese mm-hmm. i don't know what it's called sure uh but it's two and a white for a three three with vigilance it's a human cleric as it enters the battlefield you get to look at your opponent's hand then choose any card name spells your opponent's cast with the chosen card name cost two more to cast uh, activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two more to activate unless they're mana abilities 
So relevant pieces here is you can name whatever cards you want. It doesn't have to be in their hand, just like Sorcerer Spyglass. Mm -hmm. uh, so it does like this kind of elite spellbinder impersonation. Yeah. Thank you. It, <laughs> I just struggled on the name. It is an impersonation because it does not continue to affect the card if they do kill this so yes it's also a worse body like a 3-1 flyer yeah elite spellbinder is a lot better than a 3-3 vigilance creature oh for sure uh but i mean this does have sideways applications that elite spellbinder does not for instance peacekeeper hits multiple cards like if they have two cards in their hand mm -hmm. of the same name you can just name it and they're both more expensive yeah until at least play uh, this also names activated abilities, which is not super relevant most of the time. But, I mean, if there comes a situation where you want to dampen some activated abilities, you can name them. Oh, it really, like, messes up any Planeswalker-based plans because it, like, taxes the Planeswalker and then it taxes the loyalty abilities on the Planeswalker. So it becomes really, you know, if your turn four was like, I'm going to play this Planeswalker that kills whatever their three drop is, and then they play this as their three drop, that is no longer on the uh, menu. Yeah. yeah, like in standard, if you just play this on turn three on the play and your opponent's Lilian in their hand. Right. Like, that's free roll. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some cool stuff. Also, uh, like, I generally would have a hard time justifying to myself playing this over Elite Spellbinder, but Elite Spellbinder rotates, and we're going to have to make different choices so yeah I, I think this card is perfectly reasonable it's yeah it suffers from its comparison to elite spellbinder which was an incredible card but it that's totally irrelevant because that card won't be legal once this card is legal and standard so right just like with all white creatures with weird texts on them you kind of have to like pick and choose what pieces match your plan and and, <laughs> and you this know is just another piece i think generally like there's still going to be a lot of good white creatures in standard when this comes out and this might be one of them like there's friends to go with this card like adeline is still going to be around so bodies that do things are going to be decent cards thought you know you can curve thalia into this still like that's really good yeah. Also, I've still been impressed with Extraction Specialist. Every time I've seen it hit the battlefield, yeah, it's it's really it's good. Just such a nice card. <laughs> so white white cards are 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 here to stay. Yes, but the Extraction Specialists are a little bit more impressive in Pioneer than in Standard. But yeah, of course, you know. I mean, I even saw them being cast in Modern <laughs> in one of the RCQs, <laughs> which honestly won the game. Yeah, it was really good in that game. <laughs> Uh, I know we've reached the end of the list, but you have any, any you want to just pick through whatever's revealed? Uh, yeah, I mean, there is another Planeswalker that we didn't talk about, but I think it's <clears> also <throat> pretty bad. A Johnny? Yeah. Will you do the honors? Sure. Ugh. It's like completed <laughs> Planeswalker, so. I read Karn and had to interrupt myself like four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so this costs one, a green, a white, and a Phyrexian green or white hybrid. So that means it's a completed Planeswalker. So if you, you pay Phyrexian mana for it, then it comes in with two fewer loyalty counters. So it comes in with four if you cast it for four mana. It comes in with two if you cast it for three mana. It has plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or Planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, put it on the bottom of your library. Minus three, distribute three plus one plus one counters among up to three target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. 
I will note that I love the sleeper agent nature of the tech. You're reading the loyalty abilities and there's like nothing to see here until you get to the ultimate. And it's like, oh, it's a it was a Phyrexian all along. Yeah. Oh, That's I, really I cute. see here. Yeah. It counters in yeah. a different way. Uh, I don't think this is a great yeah. card, but I guess there it does have some comparisons to like original Domri raid where like if you can like elf this out against a control deck if those exist anymore in the same way then they can draw you cards in you know half a card a turn or whatever yeah unlike dominate you can't even use his, his minus ability if you put it into play for three mana which is yeah. a big bummer uh, it's a minus three and it comes with like two loyalty so you'd have to plus it and then on your next turn you could lose your johnny to use it yeah but also that it. minus ability is like kind of more effective a couple of turns into the game yeah yeah this specific minus ability is not uh, like comparing it to domri like domri was good because you could sneak it out mm -hmm. and try to draw cards mostly just look at the top card of your library sigh and put it back and then you could fight stuff yeah. like every now and then johnny is kind of only the yeah. first part of that but also when you do draw it a little bit later you have a board your opponent has a board you get to distribute distributing three plus one plus one encounters is like way better than having to put them all on one thing or putting them on your like one on up to three creatures or something like you can put them on a flyer you can put them on a a walking ballista you can put them but you know whatever <laughs> if you have a hardened scales effect in play you can distribute them out so you're getting the maximum number of counters you can put them on whatever uses them the best that's what like pushes me towards like i kind of want to consider this card at least but you know it's not the most exciting thing but the there's a f green green, green white green is, white is tough yeah me. like mono white is so good in both right where are you and putting this that you wouldn't but, rather just be a mono white deck so like there's got to be a lot more green white support for that right. to be a thing and building yeah. like the hardened scales deck in pioneer is really difficult because there's like 80 cards that you want to put into it and it doesn't seem super likely that this planeswalker makes the cut no, so i don't think so no it's ultimate's also pretty awkward not that ultimate's are the, the end of planeswalker but it kind of if you're playing a creature heavy deck like green white often does you get into board stalls a bunch and having just a planeswalker plunk away up, up loyalty puts extra pressure on the game but when you ult this it like takes so well, the much joke is that your your pluses are putting creatures and planeswalkers in your hand, so then you can cast five after you ult this to kill your opponent with. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's just not a very fun no. joke. And we don't have Ink Moth Nexus in Pioneer, so it's hard to add those two things together in any way. Yeah, just wait until they reprint it. I mean, it was neat in Standard. It wasn't like too good for Standard or anything like that. I just enjoyed, yeah, like it was yeah. perfectly fine in standard. I just enjoyed the people like Kessig Wolf run the Ink Moth Nexuses to try and kill people faster. Well, that, like, was, that was what we had to do with Primeval Titans once Valakut rotated out, right? Was get Kessig Wolf run and Ink Moth Nexus and just get them that way. Yeah, that was the beginnings of realizing Primeval Titan is just one of the best yeah. straight up creatures <laughs> they printed. As, as long as you have anything, ever. you can get like two Raging Ravines and it's like, all right, this kind of did it still. Uh, I mean, I definitely died to Inkwant Nexus's holding random pieces of equipment out of decks that I should not have <laughs> ah, been able to Prime Evil Titan for, just so. draws cards and gives you a ton of mana. Good work. 
Yeah. Johnny, not too big on. Poor guy. The The cool part is, I think the, the coolest part of this card is the flavor, oh, which I think they're doing a good job yeah. of nailing. Because I don't think you could pick two Planeswalkers that are actually in the storyline. People actually care about other yeah, than Tammy and Johnny. Are, those ones are like heartbreakers <laughs> to see become Phyrexians, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if you pick Teferi or whatever, people are just like, yeah, whatever. He's a bad guy, obviously. You played against him? <laughs> yeah, we all hate Teferi because of the cards they designed to be Teferi cards. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when, when the when the fan favorites start falling, it's just, ugh. We gotta I, beat the Phyrexians now. I think pretty brutal, too. Yeah, that would that. I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping for it. I think a bad <laughs> card would be kind of cool because they teased it in you know mm-hmm. a million years ago when they were doing mirrored and pure versus new Phyrexia. Right. One of the mirrored and pure card that they showed was was Karn, right? <laughs> like Karn liberated, and it just was just in the set. We didn't never yeah. got evil Karn. I don't know. I have a feeling that we just won't because that's like a bridge too far. But I'm cheering for it. Would it. be neat. I don't know how it happens because Karn's like immune to Phyrexia. Yeah, that's his whole thing. But... but I mean, the Phyrexians' whole thing is like they adapt and they evolve their technology in order to. Yeah, I mean, Planeswalkers are immune to exactly. Phyrexias yeah. too. So oh, there is. I mean, there's there's more cards. Guess uh, there's Braids Arisen Nightmare, one black black. I I don't know why it's templated this way. I still haven't figured it out. But uh, at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact creature, enchantment, land, or Planeswalker. If you do, each opponent, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, that player loses two life and you draw a card. I mostly just don't understand why this doesn't say at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice a permanent. Because that's all the permanent types, right? Uh, tribal. Yes, tribal. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a little too slow and awkward to really work. But it's also just like a three mana three three that does a thing the turn it comes into play. If you had anything that they don't have a card type with, then you get a card and they lose two life. If they had something, if they have like one good creature in play and you sacrifice a creature to get an edict out of it, like maybe the flexibility of this thing is actually pretty good. Yeah, I think it kind of requires a weird, mm-hmm. and and maybe it's just good in like a black mid range deck that wants to play on curve mostly because you can leverage your bad creatures into their good sure. creatures like kind of on the curve yeah. and once they're out you just get to refuel that's kind of where i first saw yeah. it i don't know how like viable no i can see that because it's not it doesn't have to lean super hard into sacrifice to like do some stuff you just have to have some permanents that are like not great whether those are like ravenous rat type things or any sort of token or just a one drop that's outlived its usefulness or even like Colt's Conscript, the skeleton. Yeah, exactly. Right. A, a one drop that has outlived its usefulness, but then comes back and continues being a one drop that outlived its usefulness, but you've got a way to use it. I don't know. Right. And that's a more aggressively leaning one drop that recurs. Yeah. So I that that's kind of what the first place my mind went sure. to. But obviously those kind of decks are threading the needle playability at all yeah. times. I mean, I'm not not into it. Also, you know, you can do stuff like uh, oh, they didn't kill my braids. This turn, I can like cast my Liliana of the Veil, edict you with the Liliana, sacrifice the Liliana to kill your Planeswalker. Like, I, you know. Yeah, that comes up. You're gonna be a top. I, like, world. I want that to happen really badly. That that alone, that quest is, makes it worth building some braids decks. Though I think in standard, the Planeswalkers you'd play are like Liliana, right? And Jaya. 
I mean, there's a couple of good Kamigawa Planeswalkers. There's there's Kaido Shizuki, the Wandering Emperor. Ooh, the Wandering Emperor. That's a great so, one. A little trickier to catch that one sometimes, maybe. That's extremely but. tricky, because you probably want to be attacking with your braids most of the time. <laughs> I'll test the waters by attacking with my new gutter bones. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, three three mana, three, three, that does a thing that turn, it comes into play is, you know, that's solid. I, I'm into this card. I want to make it good. Uh, I want to talk about a weird card. Do it. Threats undetected. Hell yeah. So this is a two and a green for a sorcery. You search your library for up to four creature cards with different powers <laughs> and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards. Those cards get shuffled back into your library and the rest go into your hand. I can't even put them in your graveyard. Yeah, so unlike uh... Gifts Ungiven, it goes into your, doesn't go into your graveyard, but it is three mana. I'm so mad, but Realms Uncharted puts them into your graveyard. Why are we messing with the formula here? I, I don't know, but... It's it's a tutor that tutors for four different things and people will have fun with it. And I can't wait to see what people bring with this. I've already seen some wild Kiki Jiki combos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really I can't I can't think of a set of four creatures where they like have to give you a pair. I have seen a pair that kills the Kiki Jiki, but uh, I, I could not tell you what the four power card is because I know there's Felidar Guardian Kiki Jiki Restoration Angel. Well, but so if they one, give you, but if they give you Felidar Guardian Restoration Angel, then that doesn't kill them. Maybe it wasn't Felidar Restoration Angel. I I have seen piles that work because I thought about okay. it for a long time. A, a pile that they have to give you a two card combo that is lethal. The, yes. Okay. But I or get you to the path to like tutor for it to be lethal. Yeah, I I guess I'm sure that exists. Once you factor in like, yeah, the one of the oh, cards imperial could... imperial recruiter was the the one power creature okay that that can get you kiki jiki or fellow guardian okay but it has to be something that's not restoration angel is the three it has to be some other tutory thing or something like that restoration angel works right because if you have restoration angel and imperial oh yeah recruiter. so restoration angel and imperial recruiter restoration and i don't i just don't remember we what don't the four know power what the four is yeah. but but the the puzzle in this card is what makes it turn yeah of course it is a sorcery. It doesn't put anything in your graveyard. They like pulled all the levers back on making this card, but that is neat. I, I I'm into it. Yeah, I, I I wish it was an instant, or at least put the cards in the graveyard. Those two things, either one of those things, I'd be happy with. Yeah. But I do like this card still. Sure. And I mean, if it sees play the way it is, then we'll be really happy that they didn't do any of that other stuff with it. So I don't know. Maybe I'd be unhappy. When was the last time Kiki Jiki was good? That wasn't on the backside. Kiki Jiki doesn't channel. have to be to see play. Like people are gonna play Kiki Jiki decks regardless forever. So, do we have to make it good? I don't know. I don't sure. really know what design goals. Like, I think this card would make it good without being oppressive, which I'm fine with. I don't know. I'm sure there are other cards, but nothing I like super feel the need to talk about at this moment. I just love the sagas in the set because it's all Dominaria history that we didn't get in the first Dominaria set because there's so much Dominaria history. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the plane that we were on for a lot of magic. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have a card I want to talk about particularly. I, I do like Flame Chick, but mostly because it's very cute. <laughs> or Phoenix Chick, excuse me. Phoenix Chick, okay. <laughs> Yes, it's the most Raging Goblin of all the Raging Goblins they've ever printed. Yeah, it's mostly just a Raging Goblin. It's a, like a red mana flying haste 1-1 that can't block. 
uh, it has some like trinket. If you attack with three creatures, you can pay double red and put it back tapped and attacking with a plus one counter. But mostly, it's a raging goblin. Yeah, that's not going to happen too much. But if you are playing a you know thirty creature Embercleave deck or whatever, then that isn't. It is a possibility to satisfy that. The fact that you also have to pay mana on top of it is on top of attacking with three creatures is a toughie for sure but it's mostly just one drop that is going to deal several damage to them and that in red decks like uh in standard having this and kumano faces kakazan as like the one drops you're starting with is pretty neat actually that's a lot of early damage yeah it's i mean kumano faces kazakan i don't even remember the card the second half of that card name uh it is really really strong and it's hard to measure cards in that bar but i mean lightning strike isn't a set for red decks oh like just i didn't one even one or red deal three damage any target lightning that's strike. really exciting yeah which is a huge card for standard yeah so i i mean phoenix check mostly a good raging goblin and there's a decent chance i would say that good raging goblin gets there i'm just kind of reading through the gold cards the artifacts <laughs> well we'll hit on more it'll continue to be spoiler season this set still doesn't co- doesn't come out for several weeks so it's just a couple right i mean spoiler season started how, how much time could we possibly have left dominaria united release date oh yeah it's september 9th 2022 that is pretty soon actually yeah that's, that's exciting two thursdays from now yeah just 16 sleeps well if you're on a healthy sleep <laughs> schedule <laughs> i am okay great me too <laughs> Okay. It's important when you are 34 years old. It's a, a real problem if you don't do that for yourself. I just like sleeping. I I don't uh, operate very well on none of it. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll it'll trickle through. Also, some of these cards are really wordy and like like I mentioned to Chris earlier, just didn't have that much time today to read all of them. Yeah can only do so much reading in one day like there's some cool gold cards but those are really hard to evaluate with the mana fixing that's currently in standard and i don't know mm-hmm. if any of them make a dent in pioneer though i do really like uh soul Canar. i need to find it uh yeah they, they reprinted soul Canar, like soul Canar the tainted because mm-hmm. soul Canar used to be the swamp king but now apparently soul Canar is just an elemental demon <laughs> that cool. possesses people and it's such a cool card it's unplayable in constructed formats but it is really cool it's got like the demonic pact choices thing in 60 card constructed formats. yes in 60 this card is, constructed there's gonna be a lot of commander decks built around this card yeah this card is really cool i really like this card but you know yes it's uh i i do need to read the text of this card because it is neat and people should appreciate it two blue black red for a 5-5, at the beginning of your end step, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Draw a card. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. It deals three damage to up to one other target creature or planeswalker. And then exile Sulknar, then return it to the battlefield under an opponent's control. So then they have to start making the choices. And it just goes from there. That's really neat. Yeah, it's a very political, politically charged card for like the commander crowd. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird that it's not in the commander deck. But it is a sweet card yeah i'm into it you gotta 
you gotta win the game pretty fast when this is your mythic rare in your draft deck yeah. you gotta you gotta I mean, capitalize on the first three abilities of this thing attack for five draw a card attack for five to deal you two you know that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good i mean this should win the game but if they manage to stabilize then they get to just like wreck you back it's i i love it i mean if they if that if they stabilize they would have to do it without killing Zulkanar, which is that's true like, that's really <laughs> but if you cast this and then they're just like i want to make some saprolings we're gonna get there then <laughs> that you have some troubles yeah i i also kind of like the king darian the 48th is that 48th <laughs> yes xlv iii <laughs> uh yep that's what it looks like to me okay cool uh, it's just like one GU two three legendary human soldier. Other creatures get plus one plus one, just a lord for everything. It's just a glorious Great. anthem. Uh, and then you can pay five mana, three green white, put a plus one plus one counter on King Darian and create a one one white soldier creature token. And you can sacrifice King Darian to give your creature tokens hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. It's mostly a two three glorious anthem. It's but... mostly a two three glorious anthem, yeah. which if there's a green white deck that you know we speculated around a johnny uh, yeah, i actually may, think king darian is way more important than a johnny is yeah that could be true it's also a good mana sink like yeah that that activation cost is really high though i've seen a lot of green white decks play out they don't have <laughs> sufficient tools to close a game <laughs> they just do like we saw it in green white devotion it was green intuition right with consultark here uh unseen mastery that kind of yeah, unseen mastery yeah. yeah we saw it in those days like you just can't close games when you're playing green white because you're all ground pounding huge stuff mm -hmm. you just like lack the tools to punch through <laughs> so you just build up this giant board until you can eventually overwhelm your opponent and so yeah. and that's mirrors, what this does yeah 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 and that's what this does like you you can just build up that board with one card yeah it's a neat card are all of the like all of the legends that were in legends and are now remastered or whatever those are all in the actual set right these are all standard legal so i know they're only box toppers i'm pretty sure it's but the not, only place you can get not them. standard legal yeah i do not believe they're standard legal gotcha and that's like where you know jasmine boreal and ramirez de pietro are gotcha Rest seems like a a waste of some card designs yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't care too much about it. Nah, me neither. But it's like a lot of cards. Like, I, I read through Ethan Fleischer, I believe. He had a whole thread about, like, detailing the design of the cards and how they tried to keep true to the Legends characters or what people remembered of them. Uh, and there's not actually a lot to be said for the Legends versions of any of these cards or, like, well, what they represent. And also the characters were mostly just like people's D, D characters right yeah like th there's some cool ones like uh has that's the the one that makes sand soldiers sand warriors yeah. or whatever uh, well, like he, he was actually he was a, a character cool in books and stuff so yeah but when you get to jedit ojin who was also a character in books mm -hmm. uh they they literally just oh, made that's him. True. he's just vanilla yeah he's a vanilla zorius card <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he was a green cat in planar chaos which fit him much better uh, and this one is just like uh, the Jedid Ojanin and that they made for the box topper is like a blue white card that forces you to pay green mana. So it's not even really true to the Legends card. <laughs> the rules they set of like 
<laughs> matching the colors that the original legends were. That is funny. So it's it's wild. But I mean, I guess cool if you like the legends cards and want to see kind of familiar half remembered card names. The main one I remember is and now I don't even remember the name, but the five seven, the taps for a mana, the Demir one. Because that was like the finisher in that Masters Edition draft. Yeah, that card was great. I don't remember its name either, but <laughs> it was a five seven. It was really it was big huge. for that Masters Edition. <laughs> yeah, we'll go over more cards next time. But I think we did a fine job for today. Yeah. So the set is leaked. I kind of want to say in closing. Mm. I know there has been a leak, but I didn't really look at the leaks because there were no pretty pictures for me to look at. Yeah. And so, I want to see the cards. I don't really care. Yeah. Like the whole the whole set is spoiled, and I do recognize that, but I, we I didn't read ahead as the sagas told me to, and just kind of waiting for the cards to come out. So we're just gonna talk about them as we get to them, you know. Yeah, I we're in no rush. We'll get to them all. Yeah, there's or like two weeks most before of the them. set comes out. I mean, if the Brothers War gets leaked and it's before the RC, maybe that's a different <laughs> story, you know. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is Dominaria, so. We're chill. Well, then, in that case, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. I don't know. Check out our Patreon if you want. Patreon.com slash Grindcast. That's pretty much it. Have a great week. Yeah. Bye. Oh, I guess shout out to any, you know, post goodbye. <laughs> shout out to anyone who had caught our coverage the past weekend to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Honor Augs, or SCG Con Baltimore. We did the first four rounds, me and CCR. And there were a lot of fans from the Grindcast in the chat, and we appreciate you a bunch. Yeah, definitely. That was really nice to see. It gave me a warm feeling inside, so that's that was very pleasant. And it was fun to do, so, you know, check out the VOD or check out Honor Augs future streams if you get a chance to. A lot of fun. Yeah, Honor streams are great every time he's covering an event. It's just, it's good vibes. Yeah. I, I stick around and I watch the parts that we are not commentating because uh, I miss coverage of live events and it fills fills the gap. Yeah, it's it's very good. I'm excited to watch the next one and I'm excited to watch uh, there's there's a Flesh of Blood Pro Tour this weekend that Tannen is mm. also going to be covering. Uh, I'm not staying up for that one because it's in France, but I will catch what I can of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a chance and I, I will either leave this in or edit it out depending on how this discussion goes. There's a chance that I may be casting a Storybook Brawl tournament this weekend. So. Oh, really? That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope it goes well for you. Yeah, me too. We will see. I'm sending my luck your way. Appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Have a great week. Bye again. <laughs>